Chapter Five of the Radio Boys on the Mexican Border by Gerald Breckenridge. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five, Plans for the Flight. The boys needed no second bidding. Out of the door, down the passageway, and out of the house they dashed. Then they headed across an intervening stretch of lawn for the radio phone station, concealed from sight by a clump of trees. Mindful of Mr. Temple's admonition not to rush into danger without him, they checked their pace, but the older man was making good time himself. Through the woods they dashed, emerging within sight of the door of the powerhouse. There stood Tom Barnum, unharmed, revolver in hand. At the noise of their approach, he swung about abruptly, bringing up his revolver in doing so. Mr. Temple and the boys shouted, and he dropped the threatening weapon again to his side. "'Thought they were coming back,' he said. "'What happened, Tom?' queried Mr. Temple, as they surrounded the watchman mechanic in charge of the Hampton radiophone station with whom they had pursued a thief fleeing from the Hampton home only a short time before. "'Well, sir, when we come back from chasing them fellers in the motor-car,' Tom explained, "'I stopped at your back door a minute to chin Mary and tell her the news. She wanted to know what all the excitement was about. Then I come on down here, and I thinks to myself, I'll just get out the old army revolver that I carried in France.' and I'll be better fixed for trouble the next time. So I took her out of my locker in the shop here and swabbed her up and just got everything slicked when I hear a fellow creeping up on the door and then voices whispering together. Then the door starts to open slow and easy-like. I seen somebody that had no business here was nosing around, and I says to myself, Tom, it's a good thing you got the old army gun fixed up in time. Then one of them stumbles and falls again the door, and open she comes with him a-sprawling on the floor. The other fellow's right behind him, but he sees me and lets out a yell and turns and runs man he was a regular jackrabbit too i'll say that for him well i've been crouching by the dynamo and let out a screech like a wild engine and fired off a shot through the doorway maybe two shots say you'd ought to see that bird fly then as for the other fellow the one that stumbled and fell he picks himself up and tucks out like a whitehead i fired again high just to scare him i scared him all right i guess anyhow they disappeared over south there toward that old wood road that nobody uses no more. And then I hear a motor-car roar, and off she goes. Why, cried Frank, they must have been the same two men we chased. Were, said Tom, dark-looking fellers, and one didn't have no coat. That was the guy Bob peeled his coat off of. I'd know him again easy. For several minutes there was an animated discussion of the exciting events of the afternoon. What puzzled Bob and Frank was the reason for the return of the thieves to the scene from which they had been driven. Nobody could offer a good solution of the mystery until finally Bob said, "'Say, I'll bet they were going to hide in here in the station and lay for me in the hope of getting back that coat and the papers the thief stole from Mr. Hampton's house.' "'Yes,' put in Frank, "'and the wallet with the railroad ticket to ransom New Mexico, and all the money, too.' "'I believe you're right, boys,' said Mr. Temple. "'These certainly are no ordinary thieves, but desperate men.' Tom had re-entered the powerhouse and was pottering around the machinery. "'Dad,' said Bob, who had been knitting his brow in thought, "'according to what you believe, this is all part of a plot of certain Mexicans to embroil their country and ours by making trouble for the independent operators in the Southwest represented by Mr. Hampton. In that case, why should they try so hard to steal that list of the names of the independents? That looks to me like a move on the part of your business rival, the Octopus.' "'I know it does, Bob,' said his father. "'The thing isn't clear to me by a good deal, but I believe I am right.' However, let's go to the station now and call up the Hamptons out in New Mexico. 
both mr hampton and jack will be interested to hear about what has happened here this afternoon the boys agreed enthusiastically and with a word to tom barnum to switch on the motor in order that they might have power to the telephone all three entered the station but despite repeated calls they received no response i suppose there's nobody at their station that's all said bob i suppose so said his father but this business has me worried let's hope nothing has gone wrong out there reluctantly all three abandoned their efforts removed their headpieces and with a good-bye to tom who lived in a room at the rear of the station started for the house if new mexico were to call a light bulb would flash the signal in tom's quarters and he would telephone the house it was twilight when they reached home and all three went to their rooms to dress for dinner tomorrow said mr temple parting we'll all drive over to church and then in the afternoon you boys can go to work preparing the airplane and i'll lend a hand mr temple was chairman of the board of trustees of an old ivy-covered church in a sleepy village some miles away and never let a sunday pass without attending divine worship at dinner the talk was all of the prospective airplane flight to new mexico the events of the day were told in detail to mrs temple and della bob's sister della who was an athletic girl of sixteen declared she wanted to go with them but bob answered rudely as boys too often speak to their sisters huh, he said you just get in the way mrs temple made no objections to the proposed trip but began immediately to lay plans for filling the house with guests during their absence and in discussion of the details della was appeased say bob why are you so rude to della frank queried later in the library as they awaited mr temple's coming to discuss preparations for the flight huh, she's not your sister frank said bob anyhow i believe you're sweet on her no i'm not said frank hotly but she's a good kid and you ought to treat her better yes you are too said bob i know you but there's no use getting hot about it here comes dad now he added as a familiar footstep sounded in the hall let's get at those maps and guides and then we'll dope this out together for several hours the discussion continued for months the boys had been making their plans going over routes selecting landing fields etc now that mr temple had decided to accompany them they laid their plans before him he nodded well satisfied in the main but making a few pointed suggestions of value and with the radiophone that we carry in the airplane said frank we can be in touch with tom at this end and jack out in new mexico all the way that all-metal body of the plane makes a fine ground better than hanging wires possibly could and with that new detector bob and i have worked out i'll bet we can hear all the way sure said bob getting up and stretching well come on frank let's turn in it's near midnight i for one need a good night's sleep and i hope there'll be no trouble to disturb us tonight alas poor bob could not foresee what calamity the night held in store End of chapter five